The Holy Gospel according to Mark, chapter 6. Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is his wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is, not the car- is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and daughter, a brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about the about among the the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you, and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, happy 4th of July. You know, when 4th of July falls on Wednesday, it's hard to know whether last weekend or this weekend is the holiday weekend, but I hope you've had a a good holiday. Like uh, many families, I'm sure, my family traveled a little bit uh, this past week. Uh, My wife Amy's parents live up near Brainerd, and so a few of us from my family drove up there uh, for a day and a half or so in the middle of the week. Um, And while we were driving, we, we listened to a podcast uh, which is evidently not a very popular one based on the response to <laughs> Has anyone heard of a podcast called Planet Money? Yeah, okay, and so the story continues. Grant listens. Anyone else? So it, it comes from NPR. Check it out. It's a, it's a short podcast, 20, 25 minutes, about the economy and sort of interesting economic um, issues. It's interesting, last night, Nora, the musician, and the pastor were the only one in the whole congregation who were listening to. Anyway, every once in a while, they do something called The Rest of the Story, which comes from Paul Harvey's, and now for the rest of the story. And they come back to stories that they've covered uh, earlier and sort of do a little recap. So 
they did a number of those in this particular episode, one of which was about Bitcoin. Has anyone heard about Bitcoin? So if you know something about cyber currency or Bitcoins, you know you need to have a key to retrieve your currency. The earlier story they had done was about someone who'd lost his key and he never did find it. But the, the update was about a woman who had written down her key, uh, but her handwriting was so bad she couldn't read it. And uh, good, the story ended well. She actually could read some of it and then had someone help her discover the rest of it. I don't know how. But in the context of talking about that, they talked about these keys, which are very long strings of letters and numbers, and they mentioned that they are case sensitive. Okay? And by the way, I haven't told a story about any of my kids recently. Whenever I do, I always ask for permission, and I've asked for permission for this one. So again, the, the, the podcast talks about these are, this is case sensitive, which of course may, mean, means it's much more complicated because it's upper and lower case. At which point, my son, Andrew, our youngest son, we hear from the back, Mom and Dad? Yes, I pause the podcast. He says, what does case sensitive mean? So I explain, well, it means that if you're using a login or a password, or in this case, this key, the system understands a lowercase a differently than an uppercase a, uh, and so on down the alphabet. So the alphabet, rather than just being 26 characters, is actually 52. Silence. So after a while, I say, well, Andrew, what did you think it meant? And he said, well, I thought it meant that when I was filling something in on my phone, the system was sensitive to whether the phone had a case on it. <laughs> and so I would always take the case off. <laughs> Which in a million years, I never would have guessed that that's what someone would have thought about what case sensitive meant. Now. This is an occupational hazard. I immediately said, you know, Andrew, that's going to show up in a sermon, right? <laughs> I just didn't know it would be this weekend. But it got me thinking about, you know, that's clearly a fundamental misunderstanding about what case sensitive means. And it got me thinking about, well, what are, what are some of the ways that we fundamentally misunderstand our faith? And by the way, there are probably an infinite number of ways we do that. I want to talk about two of them this morning, but before that, I want to use the readings from today to talk about one image or metaphor or model of our faith that is actually, I think, helpful and healthy. And I'll just say right up front that the image I'm thinking of is the image of a pilgrimage or the image of a journey. And again, both of the readings for today lift up that kind of image, the gospel uh, more obviously, because in that gospel, Jesus sends his disciples out in groups of two, and he sends them with what? A walking stick and a pair of sandals. That is it. So the image there clearly is that faith involves being sent on a journey, sent on a pilgrimage, sent on a mission. The psalm we heard read uh, also underscores this image of faith as a pilgrimage or journey, but it's not quite so obvious. I'm going to actually have you turn to the psalm Um, This is on page 560 in your pew Bibles. It's almost right in the middle of the Bible. Um, And the reason that this psalm, this is Psalm 123, reinforces the image of faith as a journey or a pilgrimage is not because of the content of the psalm, 
but rather it's because of where the psalm falls in the psalmody or where what it's part of and it's part of a collection of 15 psalms they start with psalm 120 and they go through psalm 134 and if you look at the psalm we read today uh, there's the the number of the psalm psalm 123 and then it says the title which some editors have given it and then you see those smaller letters it says a song of ascents and again there are 15 of these psalms 120 to 134 each of them have that subtitle a song or a psalm of ascents and they, they what they mean by that is that they're a psalm that was sung or recited as people made the ascent to Jerusalem which Jews uh, in the ancient world did three times a year at Pentecost Passover and tabernacles they would they would stop what they were doing from their daily life and they would go on a pilgrimage and during that pilgrimage on that ascent to Jerusalem they would recite these 15 Psalms to be reminded of God's goodness so again another reminder of this image of faith as a journey or of faith as a pilgrimage now, a couple of, and again, I'm just lifting these two up in part because the gospel helps push against them, but a couple of ways of thinking about faith that are not, I think, helpful. First way is faith as um, information, or faith as having the correct answer, or faith as having the right data. Now, I want to make it clear, our faith, our Christian faith, certainly does have content to it, and so we are aware of that, but if we focus on on our faith only as having all the right answers to all the right questions, I think it creates problems. And again, the gospel pushes against this image. Uh, if faith were about having the right answers to all the right questions, then what would you expect Jesus to do before he sends the disciples out? You'd expect him to give them all some kind of standardized test. All right, guys, you have it all figured out? Do you have all the answers? I'm going to test you. I'm going to quiz you. And if you get it right, I'll send you out then. That is not what happens. The two times that the disciples appear in this gospel, the gospel of Mark, before they're sent out, uh, the first time they seem to have no idea what Jesus is talking about. The second time they demonstrate an incredible lack of faith and lack of trust in Jesus. And yet, what does Jesus do? He says, yes, you'll do go. I'm going to send you out in groups of two, and I want you to proclaim my message of hope and healing, and I want you to heal people. Even though the disciples seem to be clueless and seem to be lacking faith. This is an example of what some have said about how God equips the called rather than calls the equipped. In other words, God sends us out uh, and then as part of all our pilgrimage, as part of our journey, God equips us with what we need rather than waiting until we're ready to be sent out. Does that make sense? All right. So that's the first sort of image of faith I want to push against today is that faith is only about having the right information. The other image that I want to push against is that if we have faith, if we are people of God, we will never face any troubles or difficulties in this life. We will never have pain. We will never have grief. We will never have challenges. That is a really, really dangerous view of faith, and it is also completely unbiblical. 
I mentioned 15 psalms that the people uh, sang as they made their way to Jerusalem. The psalms, if you read them, are filled, filled with examples of how God's people are saying, God, we're suffering. We're in pain. God, we're angry at you. We are frustrated with you. And yet, we will still agree to love you. So this idea that somehow faith protects us from that pain or grief is nowhere in the Bible. And again, in the gospel reading for today, um, what happens? Immediately before Jesus sends the disciples out, Jesus himself is rejected. By who? By his family and friends and the people who knew him when he was growing up. And when Jesus sends the disciples out, he assumes Folks, you're going to be rejected. You're going to face difficulty. And when that happens, move on. Shake the dust from your feet and move to the next place. So again, faith is a journey. Faith as a pilgrimage is the image for our faith I want to lift up today. It is not the only image, but I will tell you it is a really, really important one. And that is perhaps underscored no better way than by reminding us that the earliest Christians did not call themselves Christians. They talked about people that were people of the way. They understood the faith as a journey, as a pilgrimage. And I love that image because it reminds us that our ultimate destination, Jesus, is also the same person who promises to accompany us while we're on the way. And because of that image, we are reminded this morning, we don't have to pass a test, we don't have to have all of the information, and we don't need to worry about what's going to happen to us as we make that pilgrimage. We simply need to respond to the question every day of our life, what will your next step be? Will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, you sent your disciples out who were woefully ill-equipped to accomplish your work and to communicate your message. We pray today that as we gather, you will send us from this place, giving us the strength and courage to do your work and reminding us that you are with us every step of the way. In all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.